Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Espresso Agent. The key to success in real estate is confidence, especially when it comes time to call prospects. Espresso Agent gives you that confidence with the best for sale by owners and expired contacts delivered directly to your inbox seven days a week. Up to 90% of our contacts have phone numbers and the most cell phone numbers on the market. Every day, you can dial with confidence when you dial with Espresso Agent. Visit EspressoAgent.com forward slash LabCodeAgents. Welcome to this week's episode of the Lab Code Agents podcast. I had so much fun talking with today's guest, Shane Kidwell, on how he became a top 1% sales professional by mastering organic marketing and leveraging resources. Shane is a coach, runs a team, and has an amazing story about he left firefighting and the stability of that job to create a brand and a business that changed his life. Tune in to hear how to change your mind and remove the obstacles of your brain, believing success is an option. Let's get started. Welcome back, Lab Code Nation, to the Lab Code Agents podcast. And we are back today with a, another unique guest, a gentleman that I have had the pleasure of getting to know recently, within the last probably six months, who resides in the Seattle, Washington area. This gentleman is absolutely crushing business uh, with a, a very unique personal brand, a unique strategy to where he has become a top 1% team all while also working as a fireman, by the way. Uh, he leverages virtual assistants. Again, he has massive branding. Uh, he teaches organic social media. He has a four-step marketing process during his transactions, a 35-touch marketing plan, blah, 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 blah. This guy is crushing it, and we're going to get into all of it here. Welcome to the show, Shane Kidwell. What up, man? That makes me tired just hearing that bio, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's sexy, and that's what we like. Is I'll take sexy. sexy. Tell it. my wife. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be one of the few people that would be like, "Oh, whatever, just grow yeah, his head." Yeah, I roll. The eye roll won't stop, man. Yeah, percent, a hundred percent. So, Shane, let's tell the audience a little bit about who you are, uh, kind of where you come from, your upbringing in uh, the real estate business. Uh, so, start there. Yeah, man. So first and foremost, I'm not a I'm not a sales guy by nature. Like I didn't. It's not like I grew up, went to college for sales, and, and decided like. I was going to have the suit, the tie, the briefcase when I was a little kid. I actually grew up wanting to be a fireman. And so uh, for 12 years, I was a fireman and finished out my time there in downtown Seattle, kind of the claim to fame. For those of you who don't know our area, uh, my station was right at the foot of the Space Needle, oldest station in the city. Man, and like when I, when, when I, when I do something, like as you guys get to know me, I like the, my team and the people around there like foot on gas all the time. Everything I do, it's 90 miles an hour. And I did that with the fire department. So I worked at the busiest station on the West Coast. I worked on a truck. So we're a bunch of gorillas that break stuff. I also worked on an aid car. Uh, we ran 25 calls a day. And about halfway, actually about a third of the way through my career, I hurt my back. And uh, I'm a planner. My dad passed away when I was a really little kid. So it's been ingrained in me. You always got to plan for the worst, hope for the best. And I started freaking out. And I said, man, I've, I've got to have something to fall back on, a backup plan. And uh, my buddy introduced me to sales. I got into real estate and, and actually some investing in other things. And I just started to kind of dabble, I guess is the best word is dabble in sales, dabble in marketing, dabble in business. And so for the next nine years, I dabbled, I grew, I dabbled, I grew, I tinkered a lot. 
I asked a lot of questions and I grew my business to the point where three years ago, I was able to retire early from the fire department. Unfortunately, I have a pretty bad back. So I was able to retire early and really just propel myself into business. And I, I made a couple commitments along the way to myself. I said, if I'm going to retire early, I'm going to replace my pension because that's one of the cool things about being a fireman is you have this amazing pension plan that most people in the country would die for. I gave that up. I gave up $100,000 a year job and I bet on myself. And it's been the best thing I ever did. It was super stressful when I started, but uh, yeah, it's been amazing. And you know, Seattle area is a very unique market. It's funny, man, as I, like, I coach and I chat and I speak with people, every market is hard. Every market is different. Every market is, and re reality is it's really not. Sales is sales. People are people. Big, small markets. Some of, the, some of the tried and true things that work in business will work anywhere in the country. But it is a hustling market, man. I mean, we're like, we're cranking. Real estate in Pacific Northwest has been like hot for years. We, we are no longer the hottest market we were for like almost 24 months, I believe. So it's been an awesome time to be in, in real estate and sales. I love it. I love it. So taking it back, so how many, you, you did fire, so when you became a fireman, was that like directly out of high school or college or what did you do there? Yeah, it's funny. So I, I went to high school and I was actually a fireman in high school. So I was like in an explorer program and I was kind of big for my age. I had a beard when I was like 14. And so when I was 17, my instructor said, hey man, I'm going to sneak you into this thing called the firefighter. Uh, it's like the stair climb they do every year. It's like a, for a big burn foundation. And so I was 17 years old in this old ratty, teared up, beat up gear with an old steel tank and like stuff from maybe 30 years ago. And I was climbing up this, the, the, I think it was the Columbia tower in Seattle with all these big burly 35 year old men. And uh, so in high school, I had this dream of being a fireman. And then some, for some reason, I, I went to college and decided I've got to go into business, make a bunch of money. So I, I went into poli sci communications and business at college, but that itch came back and uh, that itch came back. And that's one thing like in life, man, you, you've got to follow your urges and your dreams. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of us just do what everybody else is doing. And I started down that path and I quickly realized, man, I was not intended to be in a suit and tie. Like that's not how I roll at my best. So uh, I became a volunteer fireman in college, full-time student, full-time volunteer fireman, full-time sales guy, slanging furniture out of a warehouse and, uh, and became a fireman right out of college. So I got in really early on, was super blessed, worked with some amazing guys. And so yeah, 12 years in the, in the fire department, retired early. And uh, the rest is kind of history. That's awesome. How did you get to to choose the firehouse? Isn't that chosen for you? I mean, and then you get to be like in one of the coolest ones in the country, potentially. I mean, how, how did that happen? Dude, it's a really cool story. So like one thing that I have, like, it's really hard to become a fireman. Like it's really, really hard. Like for in Seattle, they hired 24 people and they had over 5,000 apply. So you do the math. I, I, I'm not great at math. That's like less than 1%, right? So, and when I was studying to become a fireman, I would sit at a coffee shop. I'm a big coffee drinker and I would sit at a coffee shop in downtown Seattle. I think what's really important is like to, to get where you want to go, you have to be able to visualize it. You know what I mean? And so I would sit at this coffee shop right across the street from the station I would in, actually end up working at later in life and watch these guys go on call after call after call while I'm studying to become a fireman. And I'd see the actual truck I was going to work on years later. So we go through the academy it's almost like a draft system where these guys come down to the, to the, to the academy to pick guys for their, for their firehouse. The instructors are kind of judging where you would fit best because being a fireman, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of relationships. You're living with these people for 24, 48 hours at a time. 
you're doing some really stressful things. You're cooking, you're cleaning. You got to like the people you work with. And so they would pick people. And I just randomly got picked for the station I had always wanted to work at as a kid. And the station I had sat next to as I studied to become a fireman. So it was really, it was like absolutely a dream job, like 100%. That's pretty cool, man. Living right is what I would call that. I would have rushed down to the casino and thrown it all on one color. (laughs) That's great, man. That's it. That's great. So, okay. So you shifted then into real estate, which, you know, you kind of mentioned people follow your dreams, follow your passions. And I'm not going to lie to you. What I do for a living, which, which has been mortgages for 19 years is not something I dreamt about. In fact, when I got in the business, I didn't even know what the word equity meant. So uh, I think, I, I don't know what you think about that, but because a lot of real estate agents and, and I, I'm not going to label them here, but a lot of them get into the business because they think it's easy, because they think they can control their schedule, because they think that they can get out of bed when they want. They think they can go to all their kids' functions. And, and for the most part, that's true. But you get out of it what you put into it. Uh, so what would you say to that mindset of, because again, I could be wrong here, but my guess is less than 1% of the real estate world, and that includes title, mortgage, everything, actually sat there as a, a, a child or a high school student thinking, I'm getting into that field, right? Yeah, none of my buddies growing up said, when I grow up, I'm going to get into real estate. Everybody wanted to be in the NFL or actually be firemen, right? Of course. Yeah, I mean, here's the re- here's the reality. Like, sales is incredible because it gives us the ability to make massive amounts of money in short bursts and have a lot of flexibility and freedom. The problem is most people, and when I say most, it's probably 95%, maybe more. They don't control their day. They don't live by intention. They don't structure their life as though they had a boss and had to punch the clock. Like, I think that's one of the things when I meet with top producers in in real estate lending and around the nation, the common denominator is the ones who absolutely crush it. And not just like a month, a week, a summer, because a lot of agents, they celebrate two or three good deals. And in their mind, they think, oh my gosh, I'm going to make that every month. And that is completely false. Like the roller coaster that agents ride is almost comical because you can almost guarantee it when you see them, right? You're like, okay, they're going to do a couple of deals. They're going to crush it. Then they're going to go on cruise control, take the summer off and then freak out in September. And they do it, right? And then they start scraping the bottom of the barrel. They start changing their, their ethics in business because they're desperate. So they're not living intentionally. I was blessed. I had to be at work ready to roll at 7.30 a.m. every day. I had to show up. It's like the military. And so some of the best characteristics in salespeople is if you have that characteristic, that charisma, that energy, but you're also disciplined. And in real estate, most people are just not disciplined. They they have to be honest and say, I'm not disciplined because that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I think, and the reason I brought that up before we kind of dive into more about you and and the the value that that you bring and what, what helped you with your business is that I think a lot of realtors and hopefully some that are listening to this still struggle with that mindset of, is this for me? And I think the beauty of this business is this business is for anyone who wants it bad enough. And, and you just, and, and obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing something more than most. You're, you're, you're investing your time into the education, into learning more, into, into your brain, right? Into becoming better. And so I applaud you for that. But, but I think, yeah, yeah you bring up a good point. You know, no, none of us, none of us dream about this. And, and, and most of them who get into it don't have anything intentional going on and they don't really know what to do. And the best advice that I can give them, and I'm sure you would agree is, is, is invest in your education, feed your mind. You got to learn, 
and you got to learn from the best and you got to put the time into it. Cause if you don't, it just isn't going to come to you. It doesn't work that way. So, which is a perfect segue into how you got to where you are. So you shifted into real estate. It kind of sounds like it was kind of a stair step. You dribbled in, you dabbled, you, you succeeded, you dabbled, you succeeded. Uh, what was the, what was that breaking point? You know, so, so what did that look like? What did it look like as you built up to doing this full time? Cause I think a lot of real estate agents do the same thing. Yeah. I would say the first, the first shock I had getting into, getting into sales was I sat down with my boss in this dingy little like home office next to a strip mall. And he goes, okay, Shane, like, uh, we're bring pull up your database. And I'm like, what the hell's a database? <laughs> he goes, you know, all the people, you know, that you're going to market to. And I'm like, like, I don't have any, <laughs> what do you mean? Like you, you don't provide that. I think the most important thing I learned early on in my career, and again, I was part-time and I had a full-time gig. So I had, a, I had some, some psychological security, I would say. I could make mistakes knowing I had a, a backup to, that I could fall back on, was understanding how to create and grow a sphere. And there are so many ways to do that. And really, like I, I break down my sphere into, like I call it my circle and P-squared. My circle is anyone who influences my day like dude jeff you influence my day man like you might meet somebody in a totally different market and you're like i know this cat out in seattle the dude's awesome he's knowledgeable his team is amazing i'm gonna introduce you to him you're in my circle i need to love on my circle i need to love on p squared p squared is my past and present clients like how do i love on these people and then the third aspect is how do you own your day and you talked about owning your day and so for me early on I focused on those three characteristics in my business, my circle, P-squared, and owning my day. Owning my day, it was simple for me because I was a fireman. Like, that's the most reactionary job on the planet. You literally sit there with a cup of coffee, wait for the bells to go off, jump up, sprint to the rig, and go randomly run around to someplace you've never been to meet people you've never known before to address a problem you don't know in advance, right? What do agents do all day? They react. So what, what we've started to really focus on with our team and our coaching and, and, and just in my personal business is proactive reactionary tasks, being proactive in, in your reactive skills. So what I mean by that is like we train a lot. I do a lot in my morning so that when I have to react to people calling, you know, my sphere, my influencers calling me, I know what I'm doing. I'm knowledgeable. And so like for me, when I started, I got this database and I'm like, oh, crap, I don't know anybody. Well, then I, I read somewhere and I don't know who it was. Somebody said, everyone knows 50 people. And if you know 50 people and you tell them about you in a really cool way and you brand yourself and you, you're unique, you step aside from everybody else. If I'm doing the math on my calculator, 50 times 50 is 2,500 people. I went, damn, man, if I know 50 people and I knew my job really, really well at staying in front of them, I can actually like, be in front of 2,500 people. And when you're brand new and you're like, I can't compete with these guys and gals out there in the Seattle market who are crushing it. They've been in the business for 20, 25 years, massive databases. They market everywhere. They have a huge budget. I'm like, I don't have any money. I don't have a database, but I can work hard. I can move fast and I'm disciplined. And then I just said, okay, if I can do that and get in front of these 50 people and have those 50 people, I leverage them with their 50 people. And really we know more than 50 people. That's the beauty of social media now. And it started to grow and it started to grow. And so I just was very intentional about loving on my circle and loving on my clients. 
I love it. So, and and what what to give this context, at what point or what year was this roughly when you had this fifty person mindset? Yeah. So I started in in like it was the end of two thousand nine, the beginning of two thousand ten. My license hit two thousand ten. A very unique market. We're coming out of a crash. Everybody who I'd meet to be like, "Why are you getting into this industry? Like you're crazy." And I'm like, my mindset always was, no one is my competition except for me. Like if I don't get out of bed, it's because of me. It's not because of somebody else. If I don't work out, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, if I don't do my videos, my podcast, it's because of me. I looked at that and thought half my competition just quit. Like what better industry to be in than when you're young and hungry and half the people that you're competing against just went away. Mm-hmm. So I get in in 2010, my first year, I, I literally, I think I did one, one deal. It was for a buddy of mine who was like a dispatcher at the fire department. Second year, I think I did like two deals. I wasn't even really doing anything. I was living through Google. What, you know, I was understanding the rules through Google. And then in about 2012, I, I came to the realization that I could actually do this. It was something that could actually be a full-time gig. I got in and in like 2012, 2013, I got into coaching. So I was getting coached now by somebody, which was, was the biggest shift in my business, having a, like a legitimate coach. And I say that because a lot of guys and gals out there that are, pushing buttons and having you do the same old thing as everybody else. I had a guy who spoke directly through my BS and called me on the carpet to what I wasn't doing well, what I wasn't focusing on. And so then I started growing and growing and growing. So when I, when I actually like put my foot on the gas, my first year I did like 8 million in production. Then I did 16 million. My first like four years, I, I, I almost like doubled my, I increased my production by like 25 to 50% every year. 8 million, 16 million, 20 million, 24 million, 30 million. And by the time I hit that 24, 25 million mark, it's, I mean, that's crazy trying to do volume on your own. And I was still a full-time fireman. More than that, I wasn't just a full-time fireman. I didn't want anyone to know I was a fireman. So in my sales and my marketing and everything I was doing, no one, my clients, my referral partners, nobody had a clue I was a fireman. I felt like in my head, the story I told myself was, well, if I'm competing against a guy like Jeff, like, well, Jeff's full-time, he's dialed in, he's knowledgeable, he's experienced, he's been in the business a long time, and then there's Shane, this new guy who knows nothing and he's part-time, I would lose. So I built systems and technologies and marketing and different things and built a team so that nobody would know that I wasn't full-time. And that was always my mindset. So I think really about 2013 is where I really started to hit my stride and started to grow. And then my last three years, which were coincide with my, my first three years full time, I've hit top 1% in the nation. And so I don't say that because like the numbers are just irrelevant. It's how you, it's how you work with the numbers and how you make that fit your lifestyle. That's really important. But just to show to the group that like you can have really quick success when you actually focus and invest in your business. So my last three years have been my first three years full-time. I hit top 1%. I now manage about 30 people. I've got, you know, locations in several states. I've got a couple other things going on. It's just been awesome. But it's, it was all because I said, you know what? I'm going to get feedback from somebody who can see my blind spots and speak through them. I'm going to build my own personal brand, irrelevant of what everyone else out there is doing. And I'm going to do it my way. And I just worked harder and faster than everybody else. I love it. I, and I think there was three points that I actually wanted to go back to that you just summarized for me. And so I'm going to reiterate it again. Uh, and, I, and you hear this all the time in, in our business is, is get a coach, get a coach, get a coach. If you're struggling, if you're not where you want to be, uh, 
th- I already know what you're going to say. Uh, I can't afford a coach. Well, here's what Shane and I are going to tell you, or, and we're both, and Shane, you should tell people that you're in the top 1%. And if people have a problem with that, if people are intimidated by that, that is their, that's their limiting belief. It's like that is, that is honestly one of, the, one of the strategies that helped me in my business was instead of looking at the successful people and saying, what a douchebag, or finding the, the, the negatives about them, I was like, I want to spend as much time with you. Let me take you to lunch. You can afford it. I can't, but I'm going to buy you lunch because I want to pick your damn brain. And, and that is the way you should think as a salesperson, which again, you are a salesperson and, and you should invest in your business. So coaching is number one. You absolutely should seek coaching. And Shane is another phenomenal example who now coaches people. Uh, the other thing you said was uh, going back to the, the 50 that multiplies into 2,500, if your story's cool enough, and the reason I asked you what year this was is because essentially, you know, five years ago or more, we were handicapped on that in, in that arena. Like it's, it was literally just face-to-face communication, taking people for coffees. In this day and age with social media, we have such a massive weapon, something that no one's ever had in the history of the world. And if you're not fully utilizing it and consistently telling stories and sharing your life, not your business, your life, you're absolutely leaving. It's like going to a gunfight with, with an empty chamber. Dude, it's not even fair, man. Like when we hear like, cause, cause I, I mean, I actually teach my sphere about social media, organic social media and how to market and use it organically. You brought up a really good point. I don't talk business, man. I rarely, if ever, and if I talk business, I'm, I'm bragging and loving on my team. We're making it fun. It's so easy to get in front of people now. I started in 2010 with like 11 people on an Excel spreadsheet. I now have 4,000 times 50 times 50 times 50 times 50, right? And I get people through Facebook, LinkedIn all the time saying, hey man, I got a buddy out of state, wants to buy a home. Can you connect him? Can you work with him? I I get leads every week. I don't pay a dollar for them. And people are like, I love what you're doing. People feel like they know who I am, past clients, current clients, referral partners, simply through that social media platform. It's huge. I love it, man. So uh, uh, there's several things I still want to touch on with you, but one of them is that, you know, you teach like organic social media classes that, and and you even put in your notes that generates one closing each month. Um, And and you said something about an organic A plus lead. Explain what you're teaching. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what's really important to understand is it's not like I just stumbled onto a five page book and it was like, oh, I'm done. I figured this out. I invested a crap ton of money into understanding the behind the scenes inner workings of social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. So I spent over $30,000 going to different conferences and doing different things to understand social media. With that, with that being the backstory, I, I focus 100% on personal branding and my personal story. Business pages to me are quite frankly kind of irrelevant. Like I ask people all the time, I say, raise your hand if you've ever uh, heard of Starbucks. Everyone has. Great, raise your hand if you've ever been to their uh, Facebook page. No one has. I'm like, great, raise your hand if, you, uh, you know, if you're a woman and you like Victoria's Secret. All the women raise their hands, sheepishly. Raise your hand if you've ever been to their business page. No one has. Like, and so the reality is that we are drawn to business pages through paid advertisement, but people are drawn to you through your personal story. So I just started telling my story. You know, my story is my dad died when I was seven year old, years old. I had depression and anxiety as a kid. I got picked on a lot. I had big Coke bottle glasses. Didn't have a lot of friends growing up. That's the reality of where I came from. Then I became, went to college at University of Washington, traveled the world, became a fireman, had incredible stories. I just tell my story 
people don't really want to hear the white picket fence BS that's not real. They want to hear your story. Because if you can get somebody to say yes to liking you, you can sell them anything. It's irrelevant. I could sell vacuum cleaners and make a million bucks if people like my story. And so I just do that constantly, two to three times a day. When I started, I was doing three posts a day, nine, noon, and four, strategically marketing and targeting people through my stories. And then the key to anything you do online, and I'll repeat this, the key to anything you do online is taking the online offline. I use social media like people use cold calling. You get a lot of people who cold call every Monday, every Tuesday. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? We'd love to grab a copy and see if we're good. That's so like 2005, 2010. I use social media. People react to my posts and I'm strategically like sniper strategies looking at these people and being like, man, that's an influencer. That's somebody I need in my circle. Then I, I take it offline. I use private messaging. I use different tools to pull it offline, connect over something we can relate to and then add value to their day. And it's and I'm being conservative. We sometimes close more than a deal a month and I don't pay a penny for it. Love it. So you said something there. First of all, I love the analogy, the Starbucks Victoria's Secret. That's great. Uh, I'm totally stealing that for when I speak because I speak about the same, probably the same thing. The three posts a day. So it's funny because I just was on stage speaking in Detroit just about this exact topic and telling people to, one of the things I tell women is, is, is you should intentionally create more video and content without your face on, without your hair done, because that's the real you. Now, if it's really bad, maybe do a little something. <laughs> but but I, what I wanted to ask you was, is I tell everyone, and I always get groans in the room, you should be posting every single day. You should, every single day. 100%. You said three a day. Everybody's just head exploded like, oh my yeah. God, I can't do it. Explain. Yeah, so when you're starting, I kind of look at it like you're trying to build momentum. And once you get that momentum going, it's so much easier. It's like once that car is rolling downhill, it takes way less energy to keep that car moving or that train moving. We started three times a day. And again, I'm not talking a lot of business. I'm doing funny like memes that I'm creating myself. I'm doing did you knows. Like we bought electric scooters from my office. So we're cruising the street on scooters, doing selfie videos, talking about the market. I think if you're going to talk business, the, 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 tool I would suggest, or I guess the mindset I would really tell people to have is imagine that you're only going to talk about business if you're giving someone a hundred dollars. And what I mean by that is you've got to be giving them value. Don't be showing them your listing. No one gives a rat's ass. I'm sorry if I can't say that. No one cares about that, man. Like, I mean, great. If you need to do that for your business strategy, great. But my strategy is to generate personal, like influence in conversations with people that generates powerful referrals. And so, like, I think you have to be adding value when you talk business. So we started doing these three a day, nine, noon, and four, posting fun selfies. And, and the thing to keep in mind and to understand, we teach a whole class on this. So I'm really, like, kind of cutting through this. It's organic images, organic videos. Don't send YouTube links or Facebook's going to kick you off because they compete. Like, you've got to be strategic. And that's what I don't see enough people doing. They're just vomiting on the page. I hate Trump. I love Trump. I hate this. I love this. Man, if you want to be a change agent for positivity, don't talk negative, don't talk news, don't talk politics. I never do. I live in a state where you drive across the mountains and it goes from green, extremely liberal, to brown and like dry, arid, and extremely conservative. I'll alienate 50% of my people if I talk about those topics. And plus, aren't we all tired of hearing about it? 
So I talk about funny things. I always say it's, it's, it's like kittens, puppies, and recipes, but I do fun stuff. Now, we were doing that three times, three, three times a day. It's really not hard. It takes about four minutes. The reality is people are, aren't owning their day and they're distracted. And so they're just reacting to things that are coming in that aren't dollar producing activities. Then like it got to the point where I, I went to my team. I said, hey gang, I think we should probably turn it down to two a day. We're getting so many responses. My fear is that maybe we're overwhelming our, our, our sphere. And they said, Shane, we went to two times a day like three months ago. And we were still generating that buzz. Now we'll do one a day, two a day. We're very strategic with it. But because I have this like audience of people who like my content, they know that if they get on Facebook and they see something from me, it's going to be positive. It's going to be funny. It's going to be a did you know. It's going to be impactful. I'm just going to give them $100. So now I'm doing two a day, one a day, depending on the day. And, it, and I'm getting the exact same result. Is this business content specifically that you're talking about? Rarely. And if I'm talking business, I'm like, man, like, like a couple weeks ago, I hired, we had five new staff members join the same week. I was working late because like you, I'm the guy who has to do everything, right? So I'm, I'm setting up my laptops. I have this cool little like team office set up and, I'm, and I use curved monitors because I think they're sexy, right? So I got all these curved monitors, my computers I'm setting up. I take a photo of that. I put a filter on it and I post. I love setting up computers because every time I set up computers, it knows I'm adding new staff members and I'm so excited to bless five new people. So if I'm talking business, that's all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about hey, this is what the market's doing in this county and there's an increase in the value of homes by this. Like, I'm not doing anything that's auto-generated from my company. I love it, man. I, and I use, this, I use this term a lot, shift your mindset. And so if you truly want to own this game, which I'm just going to straight up say it, you're pretty much an idiot if you don't, or you're just super comfortable, which is fine. Uh, but if you really want to own the business and do it for relatively uh, inexpensive or no cost at all, unless you're going to be boosting and targeting, shift your mindset to sh turn your phone around more often on your life. Like Shane just said, he was setting up computers. Now, if you think about that, you think, well, that's pretty boring, but not really because it's selling without really selling. It's letting people know that, A, you're still working. B, you got some sexy monitors. I mean, there's, there's somebody interested in everything. And so don't have the mindset. Uh, when I was just in Detroit, somebody said, they always say this, well, I don't want to annoy people. And my answer to that is that's the beauty of social media. It's non-invasive. If they don't want it, they scroll. If they don't want it, they can defriend you. So don't have that mindset. Have, rather have the mindset like Shane has overpost, get in their face. Plus it's so diluted nowadays, your stuff is not getting seen as much as you would probably like. And so you have, you have to fight the algorithm. You have to beat the algorithm. Jeff, let me have one thing real quick. Cause this, it's a mindset thing that you just mentioned. Like if you dictate your marketing and your strategies based on the loud single singular voice, you are going to lose. Like for instance, for our clients, we have this thing called, we call the client experience. We brand gifts throughout the process of buying a home. Cookies, Starbucks cards, laser etched with our logo. Like a rule for me is if I'm going to do something, I have to do it differently than everyone else. Even if I'm sending the Starbucks card that everybody else is sending, it's got to be different. Well, one guy was like, thanks for sending the cookies. I'm gluten intolerant, you know, you jerk. Well, do I stop sending cookies to my hundreds of clients because one guy is gluten intolerant? Absolutely not. In fact, what he didn't understand was I sent cookies to his work, not for him, but so he gives them to his coworkers and he markets for me. So I'm like, well, good. You can't eat the cookies. Send them to your coworkers. But the reality is if I listen to that one loud voice, 
the naysayer in the room, I'll never do anything well. I'll try, I'll stop, I'll start, stop, start, stop, start, stop with marketing. And that's the worst way to market your brand. So true. So true. I love it. So this has been great. I love the social media aspect of this because it's my passion. It's clearly your passion and it should be your passion. I'm talking to you, the listener as well. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's divert over here and talk about uh, a couple of things that are very relevant to the real estate community, which is number one, uh, leveraging virtual assistants. And then two, uh, from there, let's, t- let's go into your marketing, pro- your marketing uh, process uh, during transactions and like the 35 touch marketing plan that you mentioned? Yeah. I mean, when I started growing my business and I was a fireman, I went, Oh, I got a problem. I'll be doing CPR on a patient and somebody's going to be calling me about a transaction. Like, what do I do? I'm like, well, I got to get staff right away. And so for me in the Seattle market, minimum wage is now $15 an hour it's a very expensive market to hire staff. Now that's not to say there aren't great people locally. We have a huge local presence now with staff, but like my number one employee that for three years ran all of my transactions, did everything for me. I would be gone for 24 hours and never call her and and the business would roll was virtual. She lived three hours away from me. I I maybe had an in-person meeting with her four times in three years. And I found her on Indeed and social media, actually. Um, I use social media in conjunction with Indeed to get my what I really needed out there. And so she ran my business for almost three years and did an incredible job. And the reality is that when people say, well, virtual assistants don't work, well, you didn't work the virtual assistant. Like They work. Like They absolutely work. Now, it's not for everyone. You have to have a blueprint in place before you hire this person. And that's hard for people in sales. If you look at our disc profiles, our mental makeup, we're high D dominant, we're high I, we're outgoing, we're super disorganized and we have no caution, right? So so we're not the type to build a blueprint, standard operating procedures, anything like that. Now, when you're a fireman or you're in the military, you do. You're told when when to polish your shoes, when to brush your teeth, when to move left, right. So I had this mindset of, I'm gonna build a handbook. I I was flying home from a coaching event. I had a six hour flight from Orlando to, or from Fort Lauderdale to Seattle. I wrote a 20 page handbook on the flight home. Basically I dumped everything onto paper about me and my business. How do I want my phone to be answered? It's a great day. Thank you for calling. How do I want people to respond to email? How quickly? What are their hours? What do they manage and how do they prioritize their day? Because for me, if I'm gone, I'm doing CPR on somebody and I'm at the fire station I couldn't have a system where my staff didn't know what to do. So I, A, I empowered, B, I gave them ownership, and C, I give them clarity on, on what tasks to do, whether it's marketing, transaction coordinators, social media, it's irrelevant. Build your blueprint, vomit all of your ideas and your thoughts, your goals, your standards, your core values on the paper, even put on there, how do you handle conflict? Anything. The more you're proactive with, the less you're reactive with. And reactivity is where we're inefficient, where we lose money. I love it, man. I love it. And, and you know, again, I in the Midwest, which is where I am, I think virtual assistants are, are not as well known as they are, especially, on, I don't know about the East Coast, but because I spend more time on the West Coast, but it's a common thing. I mean, uh, there's a guy within Lab Coast named Pavel with Virtudesk. Actually, he's based out of your market. And, and it's, it's, I told him, again, talking about Detroit again, I said, I think you, a lot of people just don't understand it and don't understand how those assistants work. And you said it best. Tristan says this all the time. He writes a damn 
a playbook, a playbook for the VA, because if you don't, or you don't hold their hand, you're right. They, they, they didn't come out of the womb to, to assist you. It's just not the way it works. And I think that's probably where when you say it's not for everyone, or if it doesn't work, it didn't work because of you, not because yeah. the virtual assistant sucked. The virtual assistant didn't know what to do. It's good. Yep. I love it. I love it. And that's, 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 that's really good to know. Cause yeah, you can't stop saving someone's life to answer your phone, even though most realtors expect us to do that. So, you know, Jeff, one thing too, to add is if you, if you ask yourself the question, if you ask your team, the question, if I was gone for a month, what would you do? So if, if my, if my transaction person said, Hey Shane, how do you want me to address this situation? I'd say, if I was gone, what would you do? Hey, what do, how do you want me to use this technology? If I was gone, what would you do? I built my entire model around the idea of being gone, right? Called freedom. Like in our industry, I laugh when people go, oh, I'm going on vacation next week. I'm like, great, are you taking your laptop and your phone and are you gonna work? They'll go, yeah. I'm like, then you're not going on vacation. You're working remote. Like I got a burner cell phone, no joke. Like I left my phone, my iPhone at the office, gave it to my personal assistant. I said, I will be gone for 10 days in Hawaii. If you call my burner phone, the office is on fire. And for 10 days, I hung out with my wife. We rode scooters. We ate great food. We hung on the beach. We did nothing because I established in my team ownership. And I asked the question, if I was ever gone, what would you do? So they built in their mind this understanding of, I will figure it out. I have a blueprint. I know where to go to find the answer because Shane's gone. So we're running out of time. So let's, uh, let's jump over because I think there's some relevance here as well. The four-step marketing process during transactions as well as the 35 touch marketing plan because i think this is relevant and not enough realtors have something like this yeah this goes back to like really loving on your p squared your past and present clients right for my present clients i felt like listen when you're going through the, tr the transaction of buying and financing a home there are some key moments where you are at an emotional high and i want to leverage that emotional high so you remember me and my team and so at different points in the process, we have a marketing coordinator here at the office. Our CRM automatically alerts them anytime one of our clients hits that milestone. And, and the key component of that is it's not relying on me to be proactive and organized. The system is proactive and organized. So I can be out and about teaching classes, loving on my referral partners, and the system is cranking out reminders. So at time of pre-approval, at time of loan application, at time of loan approval, and at time of our clear to close our funding, we send out strategic custom gifts for all of our clients. And we do, you know, we use, we use these little, like little, there's these little gifts you can get online. Uh, we use Starbucks cards. You can get local coffee cards. We laser etch everything. We use, we get cookies from Mrs. Fields cookies. You can go on their website. They have a whole business division. All we have to do is send them an alert. They send out a, a like a tin of cookies branded with our logo. And that's a big thing. Everything I do is branded with my personal logo. It's not, I'm not spending my money to advertise your brand. I'm spending my money to advertise my brand. I love it. So I got it. I got it approved with compliance. I had the push. So anywhere I am, anywhere I've ever worked, it's always been my personal brand. And so we do that throughout our present clients transaction. So instead of just waiting to the end and buying them a wine basket saying, Hey, do you love me? I'm asking them four or five times a deal. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So by the time they close, they are already, it's ingrained in them that they're going to be a fan of mine for life. And they're going to be part of my family. That is, uh, that is, that is sexy, man. And, and uh, by the way, I didn't mention this. We didn't have to mention it. Chains and mortgage. And, and that's how we've gotten to, 
Jeff, don't tell anyone. Don't tell That's anyone. how we've gotten to know each other because there's not a whole lot of mortgage people that actually bring value and attract, which is the same thing all realtors want should be doing. You're not chasing clients. You're attracting them. And you, you just heard 40 plus minutes of, of this podcast that is all parallel to any salesperson's job and, and everything that he's doing is exactly what you, what you should be doing, whether uh, there's probably mortgage people listening to this, but that is amazing. I mean, I didn't, I never thought about that because I think most loan officers or, or salespeople, realtors bring a closing gift. I didn't thought to give them a gift throughout the process. That's brilliant. I mean, like you, you should sell it. Like I like to celebrate small wins and I learned that from my wife. It's like, man, you never know when your last day is on this earth. You better be celebrating every day something small. And we do that as a team. It's like, I want to find three wins every day. And so I was like, why don't I just do that in the process of getting somebody into a home and loving on them? So we do that for our in-process clients. Once they're closed and funded, our first year, we're going to touch them 35 times. It's through mailers, videos using BombBomb. We do um, three or four different client or referral partner appreciation events a year. We'll do anywhere from four to eight like in-person trainings for our referral partners. We're doing a lot. We have a ton of activity going. We're investing a lot. And I think that's something that, you know, we mentioned earlier, spending money. If, if it generates wealth, happiness, or great vibes, you're not spending money, you're investing. We invest a lot in our people. And it's a long game. Like, I don't look at this person and say, great, I cashed one check, I'm done. I go, I want to work with Jeff, so I cash five checks. And he introduces me to 15 checks. And those 15 checks give me 15 more checks, right? And again, it's, it's not that it's about the money, but we don't work for free. The more we love on our people, the more strategic we are with it, the more we stay in front of them, the more it grows my business. I love it, man. This has been, uh, this has been fantastic. We're like uh, brothers from another mother. Um, this is, this is awesome. And, and you're across the country and, and that's, you know, and that's, again, that's partially the power of social media because frankly, that's where the attraction took place. I, I don't know if you saw me or I saw you, but, but I know since then we've both engaged each other's posts before. And that is the beauty of this business. So imagine realtor, because I use my story and my story is how I've grown my brand on a national level because of video, because of social media. But, and, and I know everybody in the room is thinking, I don't have that intent. And I say, you're right. You don't have that intent. So imagine what you can do on a micro level, just in your community, if you freaking dominated it. And, uh, and you have done that in a, in a not so easy market to do it in. Yeah, man, it's, it's hard being a lender in Seattle. I mean, there's, I can throw a rock and hit a top 10 nationwide lender. And, and again, like at the end of the day, like for us, for our team, we're trying to build things differently. One of the strategies and mindsets we always talk about in our coaching platform and my mortgage company is, and this is a Wayne Gretzky quote, so I'm not going to steal it from Wayne. We don't want to go where the, where the puck is. We want to always be building and going where the puck is going. So the marketing we're doing, the way we're supporting our real estate agents, the way I'm supporting my loan officers, the way I'm building, everything is for where the business, the industry is going. There's nothing I do that's reactionary other than check my calendar in my inbox. Everything is proactive and people roll their eyes and go, yeah, but you were a fireman or like anyone can make a decision to be different. I made a decision to go from being a fireman to being a full-time branch manager, regional manager, mortgage originator, insurance agency owner, coach. Those two lives are completely different. There's no correlation whatsoever. It was a choice I made and anyone can make that choice. Amen. 
Amen. And and the reason why I did end up bringing that up uh, towards the end here is because this is this is I think where a lot of real estate agents miss the boat. And if you're not aligning, and I'm not just talking mortgage, I'm talking in any ancillary business. It doesn't just have to be real estate. If you're not aligning with the best people that can actually bring you value, and notice. There's no conversation about the process or mortgages or any of that crap because it doesn't matter. It's expected. Yeah, it's what we're supposed to do. Just like you as a realtor, you're supposed to manage the process. That's what you're supposed to do. It's how do you bring extra value? Is it is it updates throughout the process that includes gifts? You know, it's things like that. Is it 35 touches the year after you close on them? Are you doing that, realtors? Are you actually putting in the effort like somebody like Shane is? And that's why he's become top 1% in the country. And uh, dude, I'm, I'm, it's impressive, man. It's really, really Thank awesome. You, man. I think- I think a lot of people are going to gain a lot from this today. So let me let me let you do this. So if somebody, you know, you mentioned the coaching, you mentioned a variety of things. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, so somebody's in one of your markets, uh, specifically Seattle, and they want to get a hold of you because they just want to be around you. How, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Man, I mean, social media is great. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Shane Kidwell. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to find me there. You Google me, it's going to come up on page one. I mean, like I think that's the easiest way to connect. I think the thing is that the mistake we make is we go, well, Jeff's in mortgage. So I don't, I don't, I can't learn anything from Jeff. Reality is, man, you're in sales, you're in marketing, you're in branding. You just happen to do mortgages. That's the, like the, that's the medium to get you to your goal. Like for me, the medium that gets me to my goal is to do loans. Like, and we, we do them in an incredible way. The fun stuff is building the branding, the marketing, the social media, the strategy, helping people develop. I love getting together and grabbing coffee and helping people develop. I love it, man. So, so if you can find Shane on any of the social platforms, it's Shane, just how it sounds, S-H-A-N-E, Kidwell, K-I-D-W-E-L-L. Uh, ironically, I just now realized this. This is pretty sad. I've known you for a while. Uh, the, the mortgage company is called Dwell Mortgage. I never put two and two together until I just looked at your last name. Clever. Very clever. I like that. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are not surrounding yourself with people like Shane, uh, you should. Shane, I really appreciate your time today. Is there anything that you want to that you want to give uh, as as we wrap this up? You know, I think the reality is twofold. You have to ask yourself: if you were a stock, would you buy yourself? And if you wouldn't, then either you need to change industries or you need to change your mindset. Like. There, there, is, there is no one holding you back from being the best version of yourself other than you. In your mind, and I, I got coached by an amazing guy by the name of David Goggins, and he like mentally beat me up Stop for six it. months. Stop it. Yeah. Freaking and, and the seal, man. No shit. I did, man. Awesome. And like, and there's so many stories. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Holy cow. What I would say is, in our minds, what I learned from David and what I've learned from being a fireman, you can go one of two ways in your brain. If in your mind, you give yourself the opportunity to fail, you will fail. If it's like, well, I could do well or I could fail, I'm going to try to do well, you'll fail. You'll fail. If in your mind, you say, for whatever reason, I cannot fail. I have to succeed. I have to feed my family. I have to thrive. I gave up an amazing job. I, I moved across the country. If there's only one avenue for you in your mind, you will win. It doesn't matter what you do. It's all about changing your mind and removing the opportunity to not succeed. No shit. That's awesome. Mike, 
drop, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, Shane Kidwell, it has been an absolute blast. This has been fun. I look forward to uh, continuing to grow our relationship because I think I have a lot to learn from you as well. So I really appreciate your time today, and I hope our listeners did as well. If you want to seek Shane out, go do it. Don't be afraid. Everybody, you know, people people like Shane are open to that, and, and everybody on this podcast is. So don't hesitate. You want to send him a direct message, do it. We're here to help, and um, and that's the whole lab coat way. So, Shane, thank you again for being on today, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk because I got to hear about this David Goggins stuff, man. Be blessed, man. Thanks. See you, brother. Lab Coat Agents Podcast.